ladies and gentlemen, back into the other identity. I am, of course, one of your hosts, the great Robbie Landis. And along with me is... The so-so Ben The Morse. so-so. <laughs> we, need, we need to get you like a, like a superhero... Ni- no, you, you have to have one. As long as you've worked at Marvel, as long as you've been reading comics, you have to have, like, if you were a superhero, what would your persona be? Whenever I made a superhero persona for myself on, like, like if you would use, like, a make a hero app or something like that. I yeah, always yeah, yeah. went with Kid Awesome. Oh, I'm probably a little too old at this point <laughs> to be Kid Awesome, so I might just be like Mr. Awesome or okay. dare okay. I say Professor Awesome. All right, I'll, I'll give it to you. Professor Awesome. Yeah. Ben Morris, Professor Awesome. I will let you have that one because it's the only thing I'm going to let you have this past week. The results of last week's X-Men Dream Team matchup are in... And despite somebody trying to use their considerable industry influence to win the polls in the end, justice has prevailed. And I am happy to say that my team trounced yours 57.6% to 42.4%. Ben, what do you have to say for yourself? Number one, we're all winners because we had a lot of great engagement. It was fun uh, talking to the folks. Except you lost. It was fun talking to the folks who participated in the poll. Number two, um, yes, I did try to use my influence to get people to participate, but I think I was You very... literally said on Instagram, go and vote for me. Help me defeat Robbie. Uh, it was vanquish, I believe, not defeat. And <laughs> furthermore, when my opponent is picking with his first pick, Franklin Richards, a character who has never been on the X-Men, as well as he's a last... mutant. That that was the rules. We were picking from mutants. That was not the rules. That's that, I want. Oh my I gosh! Re- it absolutely was. I would like a review on that. We said X Men only, um, and to that matter, Scarlet Witch also never an X Men. Okay, why didn't you bring up any of these? Look, I've told everyone so far that I knew that Franklin Richards was like a reach, and if you would have put up even an iota of resistance. I would have walked him back and picked Storm instead. But you you said, you're like, Franklin, that's a good pick. Good pick. Yeah, because I knew, I thought ahead, and I said, if I lose this, I need to have some built-in excuses. So I'm going to <laughs> let, like, on the slim chance Robbie wins this poll, I need, to, I need to have something to go back to. And here I am. I have something to go back to. So I would argue that, much like my team... I would outthink my opponent, uh, my overpowering opponent, and I used uh-huh. my wits to come out on top. But no, in all seriousness, it was just fun uh, doing something like this. I hope we do more stuff like this in the future. I really appreciate the feedback we got on social media. I hope people enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we have a cool new thing to do in the future on Other identity. Yeah, for sure. My favorite part was definitely getting Gail Simone to call you a dastardly cheater. Yeah, that, I mean, that's not the first time. It certainly won't be the last. <laughs> All right, so uh, with that behind us now, what we're uh, really here to talk about, we're going to jump into here, is uh, last week, uh, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, now retitled to Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, is out. And uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about what we thought of the film and kind of, you know, what it's going through right now, because unfortunately, it did somehow end up being the worst opening for a DC Extended Universe film, which to me is absolutely criminal because this this may be I think my favorite DC film to date. I feel somewhat in the middle. 
Um, I think there is no way it should be the worst opening because this is oh, for sure. definitely not the worst DC Extended Universe opening. That said, I, I liked it. There are parts I liked. There are parts I had issues with. We'll go through it. I thought it was squarely in the middle. To me, the best DC Extended Universe movies to date have been Wonder Woman and Aquaman. And Birds of Prey did not approach certainly not Wonder Woman levels for me, but it was an enjoyable watch and it was way better than say Suicide Squad, uh, <laughs> Batman v Superman. So I had it squarely in the middle of the pact, but I do feel that it's underperforming based on the level of quality. What what does Wonder Woman have in your opinion that Birds of Prey didn't? Because the the Birds of Prey definitely did do, did do something very differently, not even just when it comes to DC movies, but even Marvel movies, and it definitely did not have that scope to it, which is really the only difference that that, that I can see, but it's, it's actually something that, that I really enjoy, and I'm really kind of hoping that superhero movies will start to embrace a little bit more. You know, this is the first time that a DC movie, to me, has felt like they're trying to do what they do with the animated movies which to me have always been amazing hits and they're not trying to play in to anything bigger they're just trying to tell us a good story i appreciate that and i agree on that point and i'll also say this all the performances in this are pretty much blockbuster margot robbie is harley quinn particularly ewan mcgregor is black mask oh, uh, mary elizabeth oh, winston is huntress journey smollett as black canary all fantastic and captivating. Um, and I'm not even mentioning the full cast. What I will say, you asked me the question, what does Wonder Woman have that Birds of Prey didn't have, is a question of flow. And what I mean by flow is that every minute that Wonder Woman was unfolding, there was some sort of action, some sort of drama, something to keep me interested. With Birds of Prey, this movie was less than two hours, and yet it felt like it was almost three to me. Um, and that's no fault, again, of the performances, which were great. Uh, it's no fault of the action, which is pretty phenomenal. The soundtrack, amazing. But there was just something in the plotting that I felt, Robbie, honestly, the middle part of this movie just dragged for me. It wasn't consistent. It started really well. And then uh -huh. once we got to the climax, it ended really well. But there's a middle portion that just dragged on for me. All right. So I didn't feel the drag, but I do understand what you mean about sort of parts of it having a weird flow and this isn't the first time that i've experienced this either the other time was in the animated movie uh batman and harley quinn or harley quinn and bat whatever it was the 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 you know the one where harley kind of teams up with batman right and i think that that was something that was intentional because this is a story that's told from harley's perspective and she's a chaotic element herself there, there, I, I got a lot of sort of um uh, uh, um, uh, Pulp Fiction sort of vibes to the way that the story was told, you know, constantly kind of, you know, stopping and rewinding itself and then, you know, jumping back forward. And I honestly feel that that was something that was very intentional with the flow and design of the movie coming from, you know, sort of Harley Quinn's own head. You have a fair point, and I don't fault that. I didn't hate the nonlinear storytelling. I thought that was definitely an advantage. But I don't know, man. I can't really... I, I Even with a week to digest it, I haven't really been able to put my finger on it. There's so much about this movie I like. Like I said, the music, phenomenal. Uh, oh, it really was. It was so good. It was a real... It just sounded good. And I loved, in particular, 
Harley and Black Mask. I thought they were both just super entertaining. And the action sequences were, on the whole, really good. The one thing I will say is, um, and this isn't necessarily the way I felt, but I've, I've seen this opinion around and I can get it, is that obviously this was an R-rated superhero movie um, mm-hmm. in the realm of a Deadpool or a Logan And the one thing about this as an R-rated superhero movie is it didn't really get its R from any sort of sexual content or even that much language, although there was language. It's pretty much there for the violence. And I do know that some people who watch superhero movies tend to be like, you know, I I want a kind of less grounded action. I want thrown hammers and lightning and armor and all like that. And I don't mind the down-to-earth kind of realistic action, but I know that turns some people off, and I can't help but wonder if that didn't contribute to some of the movie not doing maybe as well as it could, just because, you know, not everyone wants to see faces getting ripped off and bones getting broken. That that mm-hmm. can be a deterrent sometimes. Okay. It's, 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 it's an interesting take for sure, um, and I'm not really sure how or where they could have improved that. Uh, Obviously, Canary could have used her powers more, but I honestly did actually really like the build-up to the end, you know, her sort of being a little bit more reluctant to use them. And as far as the the action goes, uh, particularly, I would like to draw uh, attention to the fight scene with the baseball bat in the precinct's evidence room. That baseball bat fight choreography was just as stellar as, like, any sword fight choreography that I've ever seen and was pretty freaking cool. I mean, I don't really have a whole lot of complaints as far as the action goes. Um, I think that my... If I were to have any complaints with it, it would be that I feel like the Huntress didn't give get quite enough screen time compared to everyone else. Uh, Harley and Black Canary, perfect. I, th- I think that we saw just enough of them. All of it was used, you know, very well. But I would have liked to see a lot more of the Huntress. And I also felt like uh, the end of the black mass although great and i'm not i don't even know how i would have made it better or anything and so i don't know if there's anything wrong with it but it just felt very like oh okay we're done now right he just kind of went out like a chump yeah <laughs> oh such a great great black mass by ewan mcgregor though. ewan mcgregor is phenomenal and i think i appreciate him more as an actor after this movie just like the quirky weird choices making. and actually uh chris messina as mr zazz was also really really creepy in the best yes, possible way was. their he dynamic was. was awesome yeah not to sound like a broken record but just like putting on my industry analyst hat for a second i think that people are people are upset that this underperformed at the box office i think you have to be a little bit more realistic and again that now, I already said it, but it was an R-rated superhero movie. You're already, if you're making your movie an R, you're cutting out a large port of, portion of the audience that loves Harley Quinn in terms of kids, in terms of families. Like, this is not a movie you can take your little girl to, um, which is not a bad thing, but I think you have to temper expectations. Deadpool was kind of the anomaly. It's an R-rated superhero movie that did really well uh, just because I think Deadpool has this crazy mass appeal. And then something like a Logan. Well, also, you, you have to look at the, uh, the, the, the sort of history behind what brought the Deadpool uh, you know, movie into being with you know the whole Ryan Reynolds push and the leaked video and, and how much people just wanted it. That was like, that was lightning in a bottle. Right, but I would also say, Robbie, that Deadpool is a character who's always been kind of designed for more people of our demographic. Like oh, older, I agree. Older folks. Um, and by older, I mean, you know, 20s, 30s. I think Harley Quinn is a character who's historically like go to a go to a convention and you see all these little girls cosplaying as harley quinn so it it cut off a portion of the audience to give it that r rating and unlike say uh logan 
you don't have the built-in audience from the X-Men franchise. So I guess what I'm saying at the end of the day is I don't think it necessarily underperformed at the box office because it was a bad movie. Oh, I just no, don't know. by no means. No, I just don't know if... I don't know if I would have made an R-rated Birds of Prey movie. Um, well, and, and, and I think we see that, too, or, or, or at least maybe people kind of starting to recognize the fact that, you know, a lot of people also don't know who Birds of Prey are outside of if you're already a fan of the comic, and we've seen that in the way that they've already retitled the movie, I think, to try and push more tickets, you know, calling it Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. Yeah. No, I think um, good movie, well done. I have nitpicks about it. Wasn't my, my favorite DC Extended Universe movie, but I think that people need to calm down as far as oh my god the sky is falling what are we going to do this movie didn't do well i think it's pretty clear why the movie didn't do well uh it was it was not available to the widest of audiences and i think if they go back maybe maybe think about i mean because look there's no the marvel cinematic universe is not an r-rated universe um and i think if dc wants to it that said you know joker was very successful um there is something to be said for what you said at the very beginning, just telling your stories and not worrying about a larger universe. So I kind of hope DC takes the hit on this one and mm-hmm. doesn't give up and maybe gives it another shot because I oh, do think sure. this could build an audience given an opportunity. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely agree. You know what? We'd love to know what you guys think. You can find us on Twitter at Checkpoint XP as well as Robbie underscore Landis CP and Ben J. Morris. Coming up. We're going to talk about some coming attractions that you should be looking forward to in the comic book slash movie world. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Rachel. And I'm Michaela, And we are from the Theme Park and Rec podcast. So if you visit the parks often, or maybe you're planning a trip to any of the Central Florida theme parks, we even talk about Disneyland too, you definitely want to check out our podcast because we have tips We have secrets, and we give you options on how to really maximize your time at the parks. Download and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to The Other Identity. Thanks for the download. We appreciate you guys uh, being in here with us. We just got done talking about Birds of Prey, the good, the bad, the ugly, and uh, kind of staying on that same track of superhero movies. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the upcoming ones that we're both looking forward to. Uh, both happen to be female-led as well. That's going to be Black Widow, which is coming up here on May 1st, and Wonder Woman 1984 on June, or sorry, on June 5th. So since Black Widow's first, why don't we go ahead and start right there. I have to know, Ben. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you here because I've, I've been pretty vocal, you know, in some other uh, podcasts and, and on Twitter about some of the stuff that, that that I'm expecting from Black Widow. So I'd like your take first. What is it that you hope to get out of this movie? Uh, first and foremost, I'm just excited for Scarlett Johansson to have her own showcase after a decade or so of being not a supporting player, but kind of off to the side in Marvel Universe. She's been kind of kind of a little bit of sec- second fiddle. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to say that because that sounds very demeaning, but I just like, mm-hmm. I'll say this. I've gone back and rewatched a bunch of the older Marvel movies lately, and it's crazy to me. I think when I saw them the first time, I didn't appreciate Black Widow as much as I do now. She really is the heart and soul of this universe. I know Tony Stark is in some regards, but her ability to supplement and make, say, a Captain America movie better by her presence and oh, yeah. the dynamic she has with the other characters to the point where 
you know, when she met her demise in Endgame, it made some sense because she's the one with ties to Hawkeye, Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk. She's she's tied into all the other characters. Like like the spy that she is, I think she's often underappreciated because I don't think that people on the surface level, the way that we do for Cap and Tony, realize exactly what it is she's brought to the MCU as a whole. Exactly. And that's what I'm most looking forward to from her solo movie is a chance to have the spotlight be squarely on Natasha for a little bit, tell her story, uh, kind of make us fall in love with this character all over again and let us appreciate what we've had. And I just, again, I think Scarlett Johansson is brilliant. Uh, I think her performance as Black Widow is probably the most underrated in the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So getting to see her be the leader and have a bunch of cool supporting characters bounce off her as opposed to her bouncing off a cap or an Iron Man. I think that's going to be really fun. Yeah, uh, I can agree with all of that. I think for me, honestly, I'm not really, I, I'm, I struggle with what I should expect out of it because, you know, they, they, they've mentioned that this movie is going to complete her story and everything that's sort of been set up and everything up to this point. And, and even though, you know, she, she, she met her end in Endgame, they still look at this as, like, the true ending of her story. And I know that they've said, you know, in this next phase, they're going to be telling stories a little bit differently. But then I always remember that this, this movie is launching the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And because of that, is, is there anything more or extra that we should be expecting out of it, you know, so so I struggle with whether or not I should go in just with no expectations whatsoever, um, because I also think it would be really cool if if you know there were in Endgame in in the first sort of half before they actually you know track down Thanos and, and and end him, she has basically taken on this role of you know everyone's gone, everyone's sort of broken up and falling apart, and she's the one that took it upon her shoulders to kind of be the mom of the group, right, and kind of like pull everyone back together, and she's holding it all together. And I can't help but wonder or kind of a hope that this movie, in a way, plays into that. Like, like, like she knew in some way something else was coming, and we see her set something up in her solo movie that will pay off later on in the MCU. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I mean, look, the joy of the MCU is that everything's connected, and it's one larger story, and you're rewarded for having watched everything. Part of me thinks this is going to be kind of harkening back to what we talked about in the first segment about the DC movies being a little bit more self-contained. Let's just tell a story. Let's not worry about the larger framework. I have a feel that maybe this, if anything, will be kind of like that. It does feel like it's going to be really a slice out of life in the past of Black Widow. But I don't think it's insane to go in with expectations that this will somehow augment uh, your viewing of Endgame, that this will somehow lead to other things in phase four. I will say that I won't be disappointed if we just get a straight Black Widow movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, we'll see elements of the MCU because that's how these movies are made, but I'm not necessarily looking like you are for the bigger mythology ties. I'm really, I just want to see a spotlight on a character who I think has deserved that spotlight uh, for, for many years. Yeah, no, I can definitely agree with that. Uh, all right, so then the other one, Wonder Woman 1984. I... Look, I love I love the first Wonder Woman movie. It was amazing, and I'm really looking forward to this. But I, I do actually have a really probably dumb nitpick with the trailers that we've seen so far. And I love that they're putting more emphasis and finding different ways for her to use the lasso, right? Right. 
but I don't think I like her lassoing from lightning bolt to lightning bolt. Wonder Woman has flown. Why can't she just fly? Uh, because that looks awesome. And yes, you are being extremely nitpicky <laughs> if your problem with the trailer is that she's lassoing lightning bolts. Come oh, on, man. That's, it's, that's it's, great. It's, it's, a, it's a small one. No, the bigger one that I have, and I think the bigger the bigger question that I have is why have they brought uh, uh, Steve Trevor back sure. again? That's the because, big question. And they've got to answer that. They can't, yes. they, they can't just have him wander on screen and the excuse be, well, we wanted to have Chris Pine in another movie. There needs well, to be a good in-story explanation. Yeah. I don't even necessarily care about that because I think one of the one of the things that I think held back Wonder Woman from, from really being a truly great film on the level like what I think Captain Marvel was is in the end she had to share the spotlight with the straight white guy who actually saved the day and then she got to or you save the future or, or, or tomorrow or whatever fine and now they're bringing him back again and I feel like like Wonder Woman's she should be carrying this on her own she doesn't need the 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 man along to help her and the fact and I'm just afraid they're gonna end up going that same direction or leaning on him again and I just I don't know how I feel about that right I would say if I had any issue with the original Wonder Woman movie it's the exact same one you did I Steve Trevor was fine Chris Pine was fine but yeah I didn't like the fact that in the end he was kind of the big hero and she was playing second fiddle absolutely Wonder Woman should be the star and the emphasis of her own story um, I would argue that Gail Godot as Wonder Woman is one of the all-time great comic book movie castings. Oh, yes. I think she's on the oh, level yes. of almost... When she storms the battlefield in the middle of it, like, like that might be one of my favorite moments in modern comic book movies. I have I have friends who think she's on the level for DC. Like, she's basically their Robert Downey Jr. And I don't think that's too far off, just in the I sense that, that she embodies Wonder Woman so perfectly that, yeah, I want to see her shine. I don't hate, I, I, I'll take a wait and see approach on what Steve Trevor's role in Wonder Woman 84 is. I'm hoping, like you, that he's there as a supporting character. Uh, and that's how it's always been in the comics. You know, Steve Trevor's never sh- charged in to save the day in the comics. He's, he's Wonder Woman's love interest, which is fine. And that's all I really want to see. I'm very interested in the villains in this movie, too. For sure. I, I actually, I mean, I, I haven't read a whole lot of Wonder Woman myself, so I'm not really sure what to expect or even who they're setting up. Have we gotten any like confirmations from the the, the trailers or anywhere about what the, who the villains are actually going to be? So I believe the villains are confirmed to be Cheetah, who is going to be played uh, by oh. Kristen Wiig. Okay. Um, she's she's currently playing the human incarnation of the woman who becomes Cheetah. So we'll see if she becomes Cheetah in this or not. Is Cheetah a good villain in the comics? Is she, she one of the better? She's one of Wonder Woman's principal villains. Um, but is she a good one? I have Weird Beard in the background here saying no and shaking his head violently. I would. I mean, not to overrule Weird Beard. I would never disagree <laughs> with Rick. He's certainly, you know, he's the authority on all things. But, uh, you know, Cheetah, I, I'll say this. If she was the only villain in the movie, I would probably be a little nonplussed, just in the sense that Cheetah's a purely physical threat. And to me, uh-huh. a purely physical threat is not an exciting ad- antagonist for a nuanced character like Wonder Woman. But because we are also getting Maxwell Lord, who we see ah, in the preview. Which is like her kind of Lex Luthor, right? Exactly. I think that combination could work. I think Max Lord on his own maybe doesn't challenge Wonder Woman that much. Cheetah on her own, it's just a quick fight scene. The two of them together, the brains and the brawn, could be a very cool balance. All right. Well, uh, well, either way, Wonder Woman, the first one was great, and this one looks fantastic. June 5th, looking forward to seeing it, and you can definitely bet we'll be talking about it here on the show once it comes out. 
We'll be right back, though. As always, guys, interact with us on social media. Check out all the other content that we have over at CheckpointXP.com. That's where you can find all of these episodes as well as more from the entire sort of umbrella that is Checkpoint XP. Students are playing more video games than ever, and that's not a bad thing anymore. With Checkpoint XP on campus, you can peek into the world of college, esports, and gaming. We talk to personalities in the space like Phasix, who retired from the Overwatch League to join a college team, or thought leaders like James O'Hagan of the Academy of Esports, who's leading the charge on blending education and video games. It's not all black holes and floss dances. Games can lead to college scholarships, and we can tell you where on Checkpoint XP on campus. into the other identity guys thank you once again for downloading for us uh we appreciate you being here and we would appreciate you more if you also told your friends about the other identity and uh you know got them to listen in too now uh this last part here you know we just got done talking about we talked about birds of prey we talked a little bit about some of the uh, upcoming uh movies with black widow and wonder woman i'd like to do a little bit of a think piece here and and ben you're a little bit in the dark on exactly what this is going to be so let me just go ahead and throw some stuff at you and get your take on this right so we know that sony is creating sort of their own little pocket universe that there's there's still some debate whether or not it exists in the greater mcu or not but we have the venom movie going we have morbius coming and there are rumors about what the deal with marvel is but we have heard increasing rumors that spider-man is going to tie in with the the Sony side of the verse, right? And there were some there were some interesting uh, promotional things that people have started to notice uh, in Morbius uh, on a on a, a wall. You know, there's all this like you know Spider Man is bad type graffiti and propaganda. But people pointed out that that's not actually Tom Holland's Spider Man they're using. It's actually Tobey Maguire's like model that they're using on there. And back in Venom, when, when, when Eddie realizes, like, someone tells him, like, hey, these are aliens, aliens are weird, he's kind of freaked out and doesn't know how to take that, despite the fact that if this was in the Marvel Universe, he should be absolutely familiar with the fact that aliens exist because they poured through the sky in New York. Any thoughts on these so far, Ben? Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think, so you're probably driving at the fact that we think that it's possible that Sony has their own miniature little Spider-Verse, but it takes place in a world where Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man uh, is the dominant Spider-Man, and we're positing that possibly this is a multiverse, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe is over here, and the Spider-Verse is over here. Is that is that kind of what you're driving at? I, I'm not even necessarily going so far as to be like they're introducing the Spider-Verse, because in another promotional image, there's a picture of the Daily Bugle, and instead of using the one... That's being used currently in uh, MC in MCU, where he's like like this podcast sort of uh, uh, you know type deal. It's again the Daily Bugle from the Tobey Maguire universe. What if the Sony Spider universe is separate from the MCU? Whether or not they still exist in the multiverse, and at the end of Morbius, we get a uh, a post credit sequence of an older Tobey Maguire putting the mask back on. I don't hate it. I think it's a cool idea because, look, at the end of the day, I don't think Sony's going to have full access to, you know, drop Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Hulk into all of their movies. So why not take any advantage you can get? And if 
generating some interest by having it kind of be an off to the side thing where Tobey Maguire is the older Spider-Man, which would be badass. Um, I think that's totally a viable way to go. Look, if you're making a Marvel property, the two that can kind of exist on their own, I would argue, are X-Men and Spider-Man. We saw X-Men do it for many years in the movie universe, uh, even though I think it's going to be cool to have them as part of the cinematic universe. There's enough to X-Men that you can kind of do your own thing. I would argue Spider-Man has enough richness in terms of supporting characters, villains, etc., that it can carry its own universe. And of course, if they do... Uh, exactly what you're suggesting and build up this alternate universe. I know you said you weren't thinking this far ahead, but I I absolutely think it would be cool to down the line, have it be a multiverse, have them absolutely. encounter each other, have Tobey Maguire meet Tom Holland. I think that's all good. But And bring in Miles Morales. Bring in Miles Morales, uh, maybe skip Andrew Garfield. But other than that, <laughs> um, I just... I, I like the idea of kind of tying back to what we were saying about the DC movies. I think what DC needs to concentrate on right now is making the best standalone movies they can. And then once they build up some momentum, if they want to bring the characters together for another Justice League or a Crisis or whatever, that makes sense. But build up your characters first. That's exactly what Sony needs to do. I don't think yeah, well, they need exactly. to be worried about tying Morbius into the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now. Just make good movies. And if setting them in a world where you have your own Spider-Man, where you don't have to worry about what happened to him in the latest Avengers movie frees you up to do that, then I'm all for it. That is the key point right there. Have your own Spider-Man. I feel like everyone since the MCU has became a thing has been so caught up in the fact that there can only be one of each hero. You know, how are they going to share Spider-Man? How are they going to share this universe? And if the comics have taught us anything, they don't have to. There can be multiple ones, and it's something that, to their credit, the CW, and I think DC has finally started to embrace. Because remember, they, they took Deadshot out of the CW world when Suicide Squad came out, because I don't know why. They, I don't think there's a good enough reason. But you're right. I don't think they need to try and, and kind of ride the coattails of the MCU. You guys have actually started to make decent films now. And, you know, to me, the first Spider-Man was one of the first truly great, you know, comic book movies and I think that, that if they were to lean more into that and just sort of create their own separate universe, honestly, they might even get to a point where Marvel allows them to use, you know, their own Iron Man because it's not going to be any skin off their back because they have their MCU off to this side. I think everyone wins potentially in that sort of uh, scenario. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, it's it's comic book movies. Comic books are all about having a rich history of alternate realities, multiple universes, different versions of the same characters. Like you said, it's worked for DC. Look, we've got a Deathstroke on the Arrowverse and a Deathstroke on Titans, and uh, they found a way to make it cool that there's more than one. Uh, probably one of the coolest parts of the Crisis event during the Arrowverse's version was the two Flashes meeting each other. Um, regardless of how you feel about the Ezra Miller Flash, it was cool to see him interacting with Green Oh, no, I, I, I love Ezra Miller as Flash. So, you know, I, I think that, yeah, you're a, comic, you're a comic book movie. Don't get too wrapped up in the idea we can only have one of this and one of that. Tell your story, expand your universe, create the most elaborate universe you can, and that's that's when, when, when Marvel was creating the Ultimate Universe. Their concern was make the best thing we can make separate yes. from the Marvel Universe, and we know that someday they're going to cross over, but that's not, that's not the short-term goal. 
And and how great would it be? I mean, look, you don't necessarily have to bring Toby Maguire in and give him all his own movies again. You could use him to tell the death of Spider-Man to bring in Miles Morales. Now you have Miles. Everyone wants Miles somewhere. Like, like we want him to be in the live-action version. Now, Sony has Miles. Uh, uh, you know, Marvel is using, you know, Tom Holland's Peter Parker. Everyone is happy. Everyone wins in this scenario. This is amazing. Marvel cut the check. <laughs> It sounds like a pretty great idea to me. I think, uh, yeah, Marvel should hire you to, or Sony should hire you to steer their cinematic universe and then just, yeah, lap all the way to the bank. What could possibly go wrong? And what do you guys think? This is the best idea we've had yet on The Other Identity. Let us know what you think over on the social media. Again, that is Checkpoint XP for all things The Other Identity. You can also personally find us, Robbie underscore Landis, CP, and Ben J. Morris on Twitter. But I think that's it for us today. Ben, take us away. Uh, it's your week to do the tagline, so... What? No, last... What? Yeah, no, it's that your week to do decided. the tagline, man. I, you I, could have told me about that before I threw to you. I blew it last wow. week. It's your turn. It's moments like this that I actually miss Joe. See you next week, true believers.